0: This is Pastor Frank, and I just want to welcome you to this podcast. Uh, Today, uh, I have a guest, had him on before. Uh, We've done, uh, I believe it was Pure Eyes, so uh, Brother Minister Quincy Moreland, and he's here uh, with us, and we're going to be doing, this is a a second part to uh, toxic pastors, toxic leadership. Uh, This is something I already did an episode on, and we just want to get... A little bit more, um, in depth in this conversation and, and bring something to the table. I think it'd be, uh, good. And we're just going to continue doing this, um, this type of podcast, um, and, and this episode, um, because I think it's, it's good to hear, uh, cause some people that are who have been hurt in the church, who have been hurt by a leader or a pastor or a minister, And they don't know how to deal with it and, and maybe have stepped out of Christianity, stepped out of the church and never have come back. And this is something I think that I think we need to talk about. Anybody, you know, would like to hear another person's opinion on that because sometimes we feel like we're going against God when we talk about, um, ministers or anybody that's has to do with the, the cloth, if you will. And kind of feel like we're stepping on God's toes if we say anything wrong, even though that we've been wrong. Biblically, we still feel we don't have a voice. So I want to introduce uh, Brother Minister uh, Quincy Moreland.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, I counted a privilege to be here. Definitely thank you for having me, Pastor Frank.
0: Now, um, in the last uh, episode I did on this particular subject, I talked about Various things, um, just kind of like in the intro where people feel afraid that they're, they're offending God. Uh, if, if a, if a, a pastor or a minister or a leader has, has done something and it is in the Bible and it is a sin and it is against God, it is against the church, it's not in love, then, most people that i've talked to don't want to talk about the subject because they just kind of feel like hey i just put it i forgave them i put it behind me but yet they still carry it in their heart which is i believe they should be able to um let a full forgiveness happen when when they still even if they may say that they forgive they still carry it around in their hearts and, and i'm sure that um uh, that we've all had experiences like that, I guess so, so how I guess we can probably start is uh maybe kind of giving some background on who uh you know who you are how long you've been saved and and maybe how many pastors you've been under or you know church uh and how you've grown in the church and things that that you've uh done yeah, part definitely. of the church
1: um so I've been saved since I was in sixth grade uh my mother uh made it a point to. You know, take the whole family to church Um, while being there. You know, something just, you know, gravitated toward me. You know, I liked what i have seen. Everyone was happy. Um, And then just shortly after, really realizing that, you know, God is real. We are the uh, uh, existing because he is. And so, you know, I realized that it wasn't just, okay, people say God, people say Jesus loves you. You know, you see a lot of banners at football games and stadiums and John 316. And I said, OK, as I got older and more mature, you know, uh, at the age of accountability, I said, OK, you know what? This is actually for real. There is a God. People don't just say, hey, I'm praying for you. They're actually really praying and prayer does things. And so I've been married uh, for 21 years. I have um uh, three boys, um, you know, who um, by the grace of God were definitely excited to have them a part of our life. We know that children are a gift in the Lord. And been in ministry, um, since I was, I want to say 16, um, I was going to church before then, but really got serious around 15, 16. Um, I'm 46 now. So that's a lot of, a lot of years to be, um, under a number of pastors and have been really grounded and rooted in the word of God. Um, I did a youth pastor position, not on staff, but I did a youth pastor position for a year and a half, went to Bible college, didn't necessarily graduate, but got my ministry uh, certificate in youth ministry. And then of course I went at a different time to go for my uh, associate's in ministry and I had to put that on pause because life got in the way uh, with kids and just everything that's, you know, uh, family and supporting the family and being the man of the house providing. So. You know, Uh, right now, currently on path, uh, to continue that, um, as we speak.
0: Nice. What, um, and so currently, what are you doing now?
1: Right now I am a, uh, produce grocery or not grocery. I am a produce manager at Rayleigh's, a, uh, local, uh, grocery store in California. And I believe another state or two, Hmm. um, and me and my wife have an online ministry, uh, moving forward in life ministry. Uh, we allow God and the Holy Spirit to have uh, their way um, in uh, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. Uh, we haven't got to the part as far as uh, raising the dead, but if God wants to do that, we are open to it. Um, we are not shocked by what God can do, and we want Him to have His uh, free reign in our life. Uh, we know that God can do some powerful and some awesome things. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, uh, what he can do, um, uh, just by us being obedient and willing. And so, uh, right now, um, we are, um, visiting, uh, churches, uh, because right now we know that God has, uh, had us step away, uh, for this season because of the subject that we're talking on. You know, um, there's a lot of pastors out there that are tainted, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. and they're not really in, you know, the word like they say you know off off of the pulpit it's a different arena off the stage it's a different arena you know and i don't want to get too far into it because i'll let you, you know, <laughs> direct, direct what we're going to talk about yeah but, uh,
0: okay so i just wanted to get let everybody know who you are what you're doing and that you know you have uh you know years you know seasoned christian and and then Things that through life, life's lessons, you know, through just life in general, marriage and children and uh, being a father. It's a lot of things that you can learn and that it really goes uh, hand in hand when we learn about the word and then when we're taking care of people spiritually and then with the church. And uh, so, what I want to do, and because I, I want to re- come back to what you said when it comes to um, pastors, uh, when it, when Something that doesn't resonate with them personally, or maybe they feel that that's not the direction of the church, or maybe that's the direction. Maybe they're not, maybe interested in or or um, and so they don't entertain a, a gift, say like yours, a deliverance, and that's something that they're not looking for. And I'd like to revisit that. So what I like to do is um, yeah, go to scripture. And I read out of the King James version. And so I, I typed in pastor to see what exactly it brings up. And it brings up Ephesians chapter one. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And it says, uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers so we know that this is a very famous verse for those who are in ministry uh, the gifts that that uh, God himself has given us uh, now I don't want to get into you know seeking a gift and you're not called to it <laughs> and because I've uh, I've really questioned whether or not I should you know that I would be teaching but I, I realize it's a gift so therefore I, I, I operate in the gift that God has given me to teach but uh, whether um, I was actually trained uh, to be a pastor and that's something that I realized that was a calling in my life to to um, call to love people because that's what a pastor does now we'll get into that in a second but I just want to be able to qualify the the position of pastor that is part of the fivefold ministry out of the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and that's something that's not made up but i will say that a pastor if you want to for those who are um whoever you know people who listen to this podcast if you're jewish it's very very similar to a rabbi and if you're catholic it's very similar to a priest or a father so right. um the basic um definition of a pastor it's it's a very uh, it's an equivalent to a, a shepherd and what a shepherd does is that he has a flock of sheep and then he has a staff to ward off the, um, the predators. And then right. it's all metaphoric and then also to keep the sheep in line. So, uh, that's it's These are metaphoric. Um, it's through, it's throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament because it is the reason why the God's people were, um, were shepherds because they understood the allegory. On the other hand, in let's see, it is, uh, first Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Is the qualifications of an overseer, and I'm I'm giving these scriptures because I want to qualify for some of the for some of the uh, things that we talk about that we're going to talk about has a lot to do with what these scriptures say. So this one is uh, three one through seven. It says, "This is a faithful saying: If a man desires to position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless." The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fail into reproach or fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So this is a really good, um, a, a way to, to look at the qualifications that, that God is looking for in a, an overseer. Uh, it says here Bishop and there's also one for a deacon so <clears throat> they're very similar and a lot of these uh, things here uh, what I'm not trying to do is to set someone up to fail because uh, if 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 one person could be just like this I'm not saying that these people don't exist but if one person could be like this I have not met one yet <laughs> I know I'm not I have a lot if I if this is it I I am close in a lot of ways, but I'm so far in a lot of ways as well. And um, because we all uh, display some of these things that it says not to be like, we all display some level of it to some degree yeah. and we have to work on it. So day by day our faith grows and and strongholds are broken and there's just a lot of things that that we can overcome in Christ in order to get to this place. But I think as close as possible, I've met a few people that are close to this now. Uh, when it comes to um the subject of toxic pastors or toxic leaders there uh let me go back to what i was going to uh what you had said earlier when a pastor doesn't want to um entertain a biblical ministry specifically deliverance in this case because i think this is where I, I think i can get your input uh and not talking about this isn't directed towards Nobody. It's just the fact that there's a disagreance or some kind of a disagreeing, uh, and, and, and there's not a, uh, an allowance for certain things. In that, in the, uh, just in your thoughts, when, when you have, um, a viable ministry like deliverance, like the one that you're in, and a pastor decides that that's not something that he wants to, to, uh, I guess grow, What, what is that, what, where, where do you stand on that?
1: Well, that's one of the things, um, that, you know, we can't really pick and choose what parts of the Bible, you know, we want to, uh, do, you know, um, there's so many things that God commanded of us. There's so many, uh, instructions that he left for us, you know, to, to, uh, don't covet your neighbor, you know, don't stand. Um, w- and when you fast and when you pray, um, the Bible talks about, you know, no idolater, no uh, homosexual, you know. It, it goes on a list of things, you know, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Yes. And so we can't just say, OK, you know, I want to fast. I want to pray. But I don't want if I was a wife, you know, I, but I don't want to submit to my husband. You know, we don't we, we we're not supposed to be picking and choosing. And so when it comes to that's just an example. But When it comes to, you know, deliverance and casting out demons, you know, um he said to go and set the captives free. Yes. You know, um and I know that the Bible is open for interpretation, you know, um, to go and set the captives free. That doesn't just mean that somewhere back in those times that someone is just enslaved in some chains, you know, people are captive in their mind. You know, people are, you know, have strongholds in their mind, you know. Um, and for pastors that, you know, want to teach on faith and uh, teach on worship and teach on giving, but don't want to teach on repentance, you know, uh, that don't want to teach on, you know, that person has a demon And we need to deal with those demons and let's get you free right now, brother or sister. You know, come to the altar and let's set you free. But rather they want to say, you know, ah, yeah, that's that's spooky stuff. We don't do that here. You know, let's save that for a home group because, you know, the people that are coming right now, we don't want them to be, you know, shocked or scared, you know. But that's what Jesus was all about. When you look in the Bible and you see Jesus stepping on the scene, you know, casting out demons. You know, I don't see one scripture in the Bible where it says, you know, and someone was spooky and someone, you know, you know, uh, thought that he was, you know, um, probably was scaring them. You know, what we do see is they were trying to say that, you know, he was of the devil and that, you know, that's not of God and that he's not the son of God. You know, we see those exact things. But what he was doing was the power of God by demonstration and by the spirit of God. And so today, I've heard it said before: if pastors were casting out demons, if pastors were in de- in a deliverance ministry, now there really is no deliverance ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus. Right. We say deliver, we say the, the, we say deliverance ministry because that's right now uh, what is happening. That's the revival that's happening right now. But it all gets pointed back to God. It all gets pointed back to Jesus. It's, it's not about Quincy. It's not about Felicia and any big name people that's casting out demons, you know, and they say, well, why do you guys talk so much about the devil, the devil, the devil? It's because that's what's going on. The devil, you know, uh, is, is controlling a lot of stuff that's going on. And in order for him to be put on the spot, in order for him to be uh, recognized, cast out, and for demons to manifest through someone, someone with the power of God, the anointing of God has to show up so the demons can be exposed. But in the church, not every pastor, but in the church nowadays, it's let's build them up. Let's edify them. Let's get them, you know, plugged into a home group. But if they still drink on the weekends, if they might be dealing with gay lifestyle, LGBT homosexuality, if they deal with, uh, cursing, and and stealing, you know, from their job, um, sexual immorality, having sex before marriage. If they're dealing with any of that. Uh, let's not really tackle that part. Let's just get them to come on Sundays. We'll pray for them. We'll pray, you know, OK, what what is your need? OK, let's pray for that. We'll pray for that. But we won't tackle the root cause, the root issue, which is a stronghold, which is the strongman which has to be bound. We must first bind the strong man. In order for someone to be set free, like Jesus said, to set the captives free, we have to confront what's going on. You know, we can't just let uh, God's children walk around being defeated. You know, the devil comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said that he came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The only way they're going to have life is when other men and women of God rise up and say, hey, you know what, sister? I, I stand by the spirit of God right now that you are dealing with this. Or, or at least ask them. You know, what's been going on? What are you experiencing? Well, I can't stop drinking. I just can't stop taking pills and drinking before I go to bed. I'm up until two o'clock in the morning. I can never get any sleep. You know, well, instead of telling them, you need some medication. Let me show you where you can go to this pharmacy. No, you haven't been sleeping for how long? For three years? You've been up to two o'clock in the morning, and, and that's when you fall asleep. You know, no, that that that's a demon that's tormenting you. That that that's an affliction you know, of a demon that's trying to mess with you so that, you know, you don't get any peace in your life. We're going to cast that demon out right now by the blood of Jesus. And then we go through deliverance, you know, but pastors, you know, without going on too long, pastors don't want to address that. And I really strongly believe, and I'll, I'll pause here for a second. I really strongly believe that there's pastors that don't want to deal with it because many have not ever really encountered those things in their lives because we have a lot of pastors that want to be motivational speakers and they haven't dealt with any demons. They haven't been demonically influenced. And I'm not saying that you have had to, but because they haven't, they don't know the correct way to even go about starting to see deliverance in their church.
0: Very good. Um, and that's totally true. There's like a lot of, um, uh, you brought up some really good points and, and every one of them could easily be a podcast or easily be an episode. And, and the, the, some of the things that you're talking about, um, they, they could go in a bunch of, it's not just, it could be in anything, it could be any, any part of the ministry, like you said. And, and like, I like what you said that this is Jesus's ministry. This is something that if you were to take the, uh, the, the fivefold ministry, and these are things that I think that are already part of, uh, that we see that's part, we, we see it. We see teachers, we see, you know, pastors, we see evangelists, the prophets, and, and let's see, and the apostles, uh, the apostolic work. We see those things. And, and sometimes we, we kind of forget that these are resident in the churches. And, uh, if you have, okay, so if you have a, a minus, you know, a, a teacher, in your church most pastors are good teachers most of them some are just preachers and there's a difference between the two because the the exhortation of the word of god is one thing teaching uh, is another being a teacher listening to somebody exhort is is good and and it's edifying there's no doubt but what a teacher does a teacher brings meaning to the scriptures by the Holy Spirit, so that the the Holy Spirit that is in you is able to expand the truth that's already there for a deeper understanding, so that your faith is more grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of it. Now, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I've heard so many good teachers that are that have far surpassed me, and, and, and but that's you know that, that's glory to God. And I would back them up 100%. I don't have a problem with that. It's just that learning how to uh, give that knowledge to people who need it. Keeping it for yourself is, is you know, that's not something we're supposed to. We're supposed to share the revelation, and we've got the revelation. It's the same thing with uh, with the deliverance. How could you have all that knowledge of deliverance and then not do it because your pastor said not to, or that's not something that we do here? That would be... Because what you're doing is you're denying freedom of, for people. And a pastor who doesn't allow that is also denying freedom of people, but they're using their position as a way to, to not allow it when it's absolutely biblical. So there's one level. I mean, as a, as when you, when it comes to toxic leaders and toxic pastors, this is one level where you could say, you know what? They have great worship. They got, they got a great, you know, um, a youth group they got you know great men's and women's group and, and all that's great but like you said those type of things when they're not addressed in in the whole council of god uh, the whole body of scripture when it comes to these ministries when god created uh the church here in in the new testament they were there all these positions are there for a reason is to set captives free like you said and if you have right three three of these uh without the rest of five or there's uh and you only have a few and you say this is as far as we go we don't go any further than that because we don't have that um it doesn't say that you know it, when the when the 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 70 disciples of Jesus, uh the, the you got the 12 and then there was another 70 it talked about and they they were saying hey they're over there casting out demons in jesus is in your name and he says, let him be. He goes, let, yeah. don't, don't, don't stop them from doing that. He goes, let, let them be there. They're doing, they're, they're doing exactly what, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. And so we're, we're the, the disciples were novices when they were casting out demons in Jesus's name. And so, uh, they, the demons, they tremble at the name of Jesus. They, they're, they're subject to it because he is, he is Lord. And, uh, and so, uh, like you said, if, if there's somebody who is raised in a church, and I'm not, I'll, I'll say this, but I'm not saying anybody specifically, but if you're already raised in a dead church, a church that's not biblical, you're going to think that that's just what Christianity is all about. That's what a church should look like. And then pastoring a church, another church just like it. I could, you could see that happening. But when they're mm-hmm. exposed to that, like you said, exposed to, to, uh, a deliverance, either a a, a pulling down of a stronghold or a actual possession. They're not liking what they're seeing and they're not used to it. But like you said, the in the scripture, Jesus, he never said, Hey, you know what? We're going to wait for a better time. We're going to actually wait to cast this one out because there's people are going to get scared. (laughs) You're right. There's no way. Jesus came with authority right in the moment. And he cast out, he says, Leave. And that was that. And so moving on to another scenario, uh, when it comes to, um, pastors like that, the suppressive nature of that type of, uh, behavior in a leader or a pastor, uh, when somebody, when they don't agree with you. Okay. So what I'm talking about here is not just a differences opinion. I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, yeah. Well, I just. I think that you know the resurrection is this, and you know, and the rapture means that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more like not a doctrinal disagreement. I'm talking about a actual church, uh, scriptural in the Bible, for a leader, for a pastor, for anyone in the ministry, following what the Bible says in Scripture, and deliberately not doing it and then making you feel a certain way as if you're wrong or making you feel like you're maybe overstepping your boundaries uh by pointing it out and then somehow some way disciplining you or making you feel a certain way or even sometimes even silencing you you know certain you know behaviors in that in that direction uh in your years uh, in ministry or in your years in being in church or years of being a christian Have you witnessed anything like that?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, uh, speaking in tongues, you know, um, any type of uh, utterance of the Holy Spirit, you know, from the churches that I had, you know, been to, it seems like the Holy Spirit was automatically being quenched. You know, usually when it comes to people speaking out loud in their heavenly prayer language, we know that it's supposed to be interpreted. But before it could even get that far, it would be shut down or not even something that should be done in that church. Um, almost as if, you know, we don't want prophecy to go forth here. You know, um, sometimes the pastor feels felt like their word is enough. You know, the, the sermon that they put together was enough, you know, um, but the Bible clearly, you know, talks about, you know, prophecy, you know, good for exhortation, you know, building up, you know, um, and so I've been at a couple of places where, yeah, the word clearly says that that is there for the body of Christ. You know, the fivefold is there for the body of Christ, but we're not going to let these gifts operate. They didn't say it exactly like that, but you just knew that at that church, those few gifts were, were not going to be in operation. Um And that's, of course, when my wife and I, you know, had to, Pray and uh, ask God you know for direction on where he wanted us to be you know
0: very true and um, so to give you uh, so that was a very good uh, example so to give you an example for myself and I think we all I think if I was to have more people on uh, that they could all give a uh, something that they had to deal with or they dealt with with uh, a leader or a pastor or minister when it comes to suppressing certain things that are biblical that should not be. Um, I remember when uh, I, I just started, uh, I've always believed, let me start here, I've always believed in types and shadows of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. I believe that's probably in my first couple years of uh, of salvation, about 1990, um, 98, 99 is when, uh, 98 is my salvation, Thanksgiving Day, 98. About ninety nine two thousand, I started uh, understanding the word a little bit more, and I've always have uh, re- looked at the types and shadows of 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 the different things that I've seen. It's like, hey, that's in the New Testament. Oh, that's in the Old Testament too. It just it's just similar, and that's all I really came to, but never really putting anything much more to it, but just realizing that that existed. And as I grew stronger in the Lord, my faith and learning the word more, and then starting to read uh uh, deeper in scripture learning and connecting things uh i started to um uh realize that there's there's more and i was about maybe to this is probably like 2017 i'm guessing and i was at my friend had told had given me a uh a link to uh watch uh, these certain youtube videos that had a lot to do with Christocentric. um uh, theology. I started watching it, and then all of a sudden, it just turned on like a light bulb, and I un- I started to understand more. And the more they talked about it, so then I started researching it more. I started uh, trying to find other teachings on it, not just theirs, and then other books. And the next thing I don't know, I'm getting deeper and deeper. And then I started to realize that there are ministers. I mean, I'm talking like John MacArthur, um, who is Christocentric. Uh, the- he believes in that kind of theology. Uh, Alistair Begg. There's just so many different, like, well, really well known, uh, preachers, pastors, ministers that are, that, that teach this that I had no clue. A majority of, of the ones that we know that are, are well known believe in Christocentric theology. And so I kind of felt like, well, I'm, I'm feeling a little left out. So I actually did my very first message on it. And I was told by a pastor, that, that that kind of theology was new it was something that was you know less than 10 years old and it is new and it's not something that we want here to be talked about or to be preached about or to be taught about and i was shocked that that, that I was told that and so it was a very suppressive uh way to tell me that that's not going to be preached here so i would to me and my thinking is like, why well, why wouldn't we want to know more about Jesus Christ? That's our Savior. That's who exactly who we want to know more about. Yeah. And so I ended up uh preaching one more message. I probably I'm probably telling on myself right now, I was a little rebellious, so I preached another message on it anyway. And after that, my preaching uh calendar was was like uh brought down, way down to like once a month. and uh uh maybe you know i probably shouldn't have did that and i should have probably obeyed you know the pastor but i'm thinking like why isn't that what all messages should be about it should be about our lord and savior jesus christ and so i kind of like went against the grain and i and i paid the price for it but i i wasn't sad or angry it was just something that i experienced and so uh it made me more curious uh because there are uh, scriptures in the Bible when it talks about, um, the suppressive nature of demonic forces, that demonic forces will not confess Christ. And so I started to feel that I think I was on the right direction. And, and to this day, from that, uh, from that year up until now, is all I preach now and all I teach is to be able to, uh, for people to know more about Jesus Christ. And we hear yeah. less about Jesus Christ and we hear more about a lot of other things. Like you said, motivational speakers, because it, which are, what they're basically giving people is they're give, they're, they're, uh, scratching their ears, the itching right. ears. That's what they want. And they don't want to hear about repentance. What they want to hear is how they can do it on their own, but still say that you're a Christian and that you're able to, to be able to be a good person and feel good about yourself and feel good about what you do. But. They're not really emphasizing repentance in Jesus Christ. So this is even more so that has solidified it for me. And so that was, this is only one story that I have that's conducive to this podcast or to this, to this episode. And, and it's just these types of things that these aren't small matters. This isn't like, Oh, well, I, you know, as a musician, I'm a drummer and you have three drummers in the church and you don't get picked to do, you know, the Easter special drumming and you get your feelings hurt that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about real issues that have a lot to do with the way the church works the function of the church the the the, the salvation of souls in the church the uh, building up of ministers to going out into doing the great commission those are the kind of things that i'm talking about because these are more important than to be able to create a church that is specifically just going to, and I'm going to say this boldly. If you're, if the church is merely just going to bring people into, for financial reasons, that's for that's all the wrong reasons to do it. Because if, if you're bringing specific people in as an influence, because if you have high profile people, let's just say an athlete, uh, and they go to your church, that's all the wrong reason to want to bring that person to church because they're high profile. So there's there's different reasons, you know, I just kind of find that are there that I see that that is not good for the church specifically when it comes to scripture and biblical things unto salvation because that's really what it's about and I and I think that if a if a pastor were to be able to see those types of things and I'm not saying those pastors don't exist, they exist and they see the need but they're also called old fashioned. So you have, you have these new up and coming young ministers that are more hip and they have all the, you know, the hill song type sound music, which I'm not downing that kind of music. It's just that you're bringing a different crowd. So if we're changing worship and we're changing the message, we're changing the delivery just so that we can get people in. Jesus never had to do that. People followed him because they were being set free. You You know, and
1: not to cut you off, but it's, It's a good thing you said that because earlier I was thinking about, um, you know, when it comes to false teachers and stuff. And it's, it's not that everything that they're preaching on is false, but when we talk about, you know, Halloween, Easter, Christmas, you know, they are setting up the services. I get it. You know, you know, uh, you know, we become all things to all men that by all means we might save some, but I just can't imagine Jesus back then okay all right let's uh set up the easter bunny and let's uh go reach this crowd so they can come to church and you know we can you know preach about our father god I, I can't see you know him even if he was here right now i mean he lived in us but i mean if he was literally here on this earth i just can't see him setting up uh, a sanctuary you know with halloween decorations you know just so we can get the crowd in no because it's all about you know, Jesus, you know, him dying. It's all about, you know, God who created us, you know. Um, it's all about the resurrection, the life, you know, Jesus going to um, hell, you know, to getting the keys to death, the burial and resurrection, you know. So now w- the churches are trying to cater just so we can get the crowds in, you know. And then when offering comes, they, they're receiving these offerings and it's like, OK, but if I start preaching on repentance, if I start preaching on casting out demons, if I start preaching on same-sex marriages, you know, we're going to lose all of these finances. We're going to lose all of these tithes and offerings. Um, now, I will deviate a little bit to say that the people that are coming to church um, that are lost, that really don't know uh, their babes in Christ you know, I will give them the benefit of the doubt because I was in Christ, you know. I was going to church and I was still doing full-on all kind of Halloween stuff, you know, full, you know, hunting Easter eggs, not knowing anything, but just that's what the church was doing. And, you know, you really don't know until you really read the Bible. You really read, you know, what it's really all about. And so for the Babes in Christ, I get it. Not saying any names, there's some churches out there they will say Jesus is the reason for the season, but what they won't do is help those babes in Christ to understand it's not about Santa Claus. It, it's not about the Easter bunny. They will still let them continue doing that. That's where the, the, a lot of the issues is, you know, in, in today's churches is they won't really not just use that to get it, get the people in. They'll get them to get in, but they won't, the, the word of God in the pulpit won't bring any conviction that they should stop doing that, that they should stop going to the nightclubs on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays or any day of the week, that they should, the, the pulpit doesn't bring any conviction that you should stop having sex before marriage. There's never any, you know, there are churches, but I'm just saying a lot of churches are not bringing that, that Holy Spirit conviction. And so people think, Oh, the Bible says, you know, come as you are, you know, come as you are. And so this is how I'm coming, you know, but they're not changing. They're, they're, they're checking off Sunday as a day of the week. I went to church on Sunday, you know, so they feel like they're going to go to heaven, but the Bible clearly says, I, I, I will say this, I will say this at, <laughs> at my last three churches, at my last three churches, I have never heard the pastor read that scripture that I read earlier, and I think it's in a couple of different passages, where it says, no idolater, no fornicator, no, you know, and it goes on and on and on, shall inherit the kingdom of God. At the church that I was recently at, at the one five years before that, and at the one before that, I've never heard the pastor preach that scripture. We all, a lot of us know what's in there because we read the Bible for ourselves. You know, so if if a pastor was going to read that on the on the on the stage on the pulpit, guess what? I'm not trying to go there, but there's a lot of flamboyant homosexual same-sex couples in the church, and so it's like I'm not going to read that because you know we're getting their tribe money. I'm not saying this is what they're saying, but I'm. There has to be what they're feeling, you know, because no one ever preaches those scriptures.
0: Very true. You know, there is a. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard. And I, I, I guess I will. I don't think I'll get in trouble. But there was a, a a video that I watched, and it was uh, it was on the it was a it was a label called the uh, the Emerging Church. Now the Emerging Church. This is like probably, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. This maybe 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. Was headed by uh, uh, and started by people that were very very liberal, and and they were accepting homosexuality. Were saying that that it doesn't matter, you know that Jesus loves you, and and just the mixture of truth and contradiction made people feel more comfortable with those scriptures, uh, because they were. Downplaying the truth, minimizing and, and the, the scriptures that were specifically saying, you know, black and white, this is what it is. And they were diluting it and making it sound more palatable for all people to feel comfortable in the church and not feel uncomfortable sitting next to somebody who, who has a family, you know, a man and a woman in marriage with children and then having You know, same sex, a couple with a, say, a child, whether it's adopted or however, and, and make, they don't, they don't want those people to feel uncomfortable. And, and, and that's what it's about. It's about somebody's comfort. And if, if you speak up against that and that pastor tells you, you, you're out of order, it brings up a completely different, and this is what was going on. And so they, it almost seems like they created a church for, Uh, that specific, um, freedom of, of, of scripture to be able to, to change it, to be able to, um, redial it, redirect it in order to make it sound that it's not saying that. And what it is saying is saying more tolerance and that, that anybody who, who's, who looks at it the way it, it is looked at is intolerant and to be, uh, and to be told. You know, that, you know, if you continue, you're not welcome here. That's, then you're, then you're, you're starting, then you could start seeing, you know, people coming from say churches like that. They're like, you know, if you're getting hurt over things like that, that are completely unbiblical and that are redefined, what you're, you're those people, you know, your God had there, there's a judgment for that kind of thing. And this is where the 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 false teachers come in, the false prophets come in, and and it doesn't say false prophet, but it said but our false uh, a pastor, but it might as well say because if there's a false prophet and there's a false teacher, there's definitely a false pastor, and right. so that's just by inference. You could just take that you know as well, and so what they're basically doing is they're blaspheming is what they're doing. They're 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 blaspheming the scripture, of God, blaspheming God. They're saying that God did not say. And so, uh, and that's, and, and there are extremes uh, like that, but then when you're saying, you know, you're limiting the the movement of the Holy Spirit, you might as well do the same thing. You might as well just say you're doing the same thing because if, if because you're uncomfortable with it and people need freedom, but the pastor's uncomfortable with it, why is, why is that person's freedom on hold? Because the pastor's uncomfortable. So there's a lot, there's a lot of different, you know, segments that we could talk about. There's a different, you know, scenarios, you know, the, the types of things that people, you know, have had to have dealt with. And even like, uh, you know, people that would, okay, so everybody knows that the best kind of uh, advertisement is by word of mouth. If someone says something bad about a church, I could tell you right now, one person has a bad experience at a church and, and it's and it's either for or against or the Bible. It's really hard to recover from a person's word of mouth. And that's, that's for anything. So if you're actually a good pastor and you're making the right, you know, uh, decisions according to scripture and running the church according to scripture and a person say, like, who was liberal didn't agree with that and say, Oh, this is what they're doing over there. There's a jacket, if you want to call it a jacket, is put on that church or put on that pastor for a certain decision making that they're making. And if it's biblical, I wouldn't run from that. I wouldn't feel ashamed of that or I wouldn't feel, you know, like I need to, you know, do some kind of a backpedaling or some kind of an apology or some kind of a a retraction or anything like that. No, this is what I believe because this is what the Bible says. And so there, the courage of a pastor, I, I feel, that uh that has to stand by their word. And to to be able to, if we're gonna make this decision, we're gonna say this, and we're gonna go by the Bible, you have to stand by even if it burns, even if you get in trouble, and even to some degree, even sometimes if you go to jail. You know mm-hmm. hey, that's that's what happened to John the Baptist, is what happened to Elijah, is what happened to, you know, um uh the prophets uh Daniel they were all persecuted for uh you know for God's sake, you know, for saying the truth. And so being a prophet, some people think that prophets is 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 so, you know, great and everything, but no, you, you if you take a look at what happened to the to the prophets because they're speaking the truth against authority, against established thought, you would you wouldn't want to be a prophet too much longer if you're having that office, because if you're called to that, you're gonna suffer. And that's just what it is, you know, and you know, that's what they call Jeremiah the, the weeping prophet. He's seen so much. But I, yeah, I kind of went off a little subject on a little tangent on that, but I just was just want to try to try to like uh, get people to see it is very important to stay orthodox when it comes to scripture. We already know what it says, you know, specifically people who are in charge. Not, you know, I don't even like saying that God has gifted certain people and, and has given them gifts to, to administer the church. This is not about power. It's not about being in charge. It's not about having authority. It's about souls. And I think the sooner any pastor, any leader, any minister gets that in their heart and in their mind, they will see ministry a lot different. But until then, we deal with a lot of hurt people because of this toxicity. And I just want to like go over that, what the scripture that we first started out with, about, I believe it's a bishop, the qualifications of an overseer in First Timothy. It says, um, a bishop, he desires a good work. Uh, a bishop then must be blameless. Uh, a husband of one wife. So just by, just that alone, it says blameless. I I think that when when the Bible says blameless, it means that you, of course, of course you can't be completely blameless, but it means that, that you are humanly possible, as a sinful being in Jesus Christ, in grace, doing the best you possibly can by not having anybody to bring some kind of a um, something negative. And then right. the the second part here is the husband of one wife. So that tells me that there at this time and when this was written, uh, 1 Timothy was written, there were polygamy, there was polygamy going on. And the the polygamous nature of certain cultures and this is one one qualification that you have to be a husband of one wife. Temperate means that you have your of course your your uh anger and your irritations under control. Sober minded means that you don't take any drugs or anything like, you know, strong drink or that that you're becoming addiction uh that would somehow impede your judgment on scripture. And then the good behavior uh, hospitable. That means you accept people, you know, as they are and you help them and able to teach. So these are some serious qualifications. This isn't just the run of a mill person. This is something that this has taken time to live this lifestyle, to understand what you're living and to understand why, and then unto who it is, which is God. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. And you see all these right here are the the antonyms of this particular uh, place in scripture is what we're talking about is the antonym is the ones who are like this you know leaders who are like this uh that are actually greedy for money who are inhospitable who have bad behavior and who are very uh, has a bad temper who are not sober who are not gentle and like to quarrel and are covetous these see and and I, that's how i read this because in order to know the the true antonym you you read what God actually wants. And the antonym is what he doesn't want. It doesn't say that, but that's pretty much what it's saying by saying, this is what God wants. And I may not have, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have not experienced an overseer or a bishop or a pastor to this level of the the antonym part. But in some spots I have uh, seen some of it and, uh, and and I'll ask you a question. Uh This is probably kind of right up your alley. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible? Since the church, I believe it's Church of Thyatira, was putting up with the spirit of Jezebel. Do you think it's possible that spirit of Jezebel could be in the leadership as a pastor?
1: I definitely believe so. Um You know, it's, it's not even a question, you know, that but- jezebel spirit is still running rampant in the church today you know um and even in the lives of christians and others in leadership you know i wouldn't definitely uh put that past anybody
0: uh what is um so people know what what would uh give a little bit of info on on the jezebel spirit and and why it i it, it if you uh can cover that the the why it desires leadership over just the layperson.
1: Je- Jezebel's spirit is controlling. It's it's making you, you know, in fear of your life. Even when we look in the story in the Bible, you know, um always trying to control you. You know, definitely uh trying to make you feel like you're not going to complete your assignment. You know, when we look at Elijah and Elisha and the prophets of Baal and the story in the Bible on Making all the false prophets appear real. So when we look at the church today, the spirit of God is real. And so when there's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to have his way and the true men and women of God to rise up, there's going to be a dezebel spirit running around trying to stop you from fulfilling your assignment, trying to control you and manipulate you. So when we have certain pastors, as I mentioned, that were tainted earlier, these are people who... Yeah, genuinely may come across as men and women of God, but yet they're tainted or have a spirit of Jezebel that they're working with because they want to be the ones in control. And even though they are a child of God, a spirit of Jezebel has crept into their life to where now they're trying to control their leadership or the pastors that are under them. They're trying to let them know, you know, who is uh uh in you know, control who's running this show and kind of show it's all God's ministry, you know? So the spirit of Jezebel wants to control you, wants you to operate in fear, you know, wants you to not, uh, complete your assignment.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, almost sure that you and your wife have read, uh, much on the uh, Jezebel spirit in order to identify. And see, that's another thing too, is if you have a pastor that's telling you that you're, you're reading too much about, uh, the devil, or you're reading too much about, you know, the spirits and unclean spirits and things like that. Those things are in the Bible for a reason. And, and, and one thing that I've realized, and and because I read a lot of the old Testament, you don't really hear a lot of new Testament terminology and, and the frequency of unclean spirits, uh, familiar spirits and things like that and deliverance and, and casting out demons and the explanations of that, of that, uh, that world that Jesus talked about. He talked about how one, the strong man, the stronger man, and how when he's, uh, cleaned out of one house, he goes and searches for another. You see, that's insight to the spiritual realm that, that doesn't, is rarely talked about in the Old Testament. And, and I think there's a reason for it, uh, and, and why? Because the authority came through Jesus Christ is and and I think all of that was resident and and was going on but I also read about um uh you know the leadership because you would think that even uh there's not corruption in in leadership no one wants to think that there's corruption in leadership but there is even in uh in the time uh when um the first temple during the first temple um you have the one that Samuel the priest that Samuel had that was he was under he was telling him that this is what your this is what you and your sons are all about and he yeah. felt really bad you know that you know that he had to be told by him but he says this is what your kids are doing this is what your sons are doing and you know you're you're just as bad because you're allowing them so there is corruption and so when a pastor is confronted whether they have a Jezebel spirit or whether they have a spirit of, or they have, you know, the greed for money or whether they have a drinking problem or maybe they have a lust problem. Maybe their you know, their, their desires and their lustful desires are, uh, maybe they're quarrelsome as, you know, as the scripture says. Um, who's going to tell them? And see, and this is where I think that prophets are, uh, office or the uh, gift of prophecy as a prophet is the one who is when that kind of thing comes about who can conf- think about who confronted Jezebel who think about who confronted the king of Israel which was Ahab it was a prophet and that yeah. wasn't an easy thing you know it's never easy to confront somebody who god has put in a position but god also expects us to say something when that position has deviated from god's obedience you know being obedient to god and and the word and so, um, I just let me ask you this. Have you ever been put in a position where you had to confront somebody who was over you or someone like a pastor or to say something to them?
1: I wouldn't say I've ever been in that position, honestly. Um, I would definitely remember it. It would definitely come uh, at the forefront of my mind. Could so, you yeah, do I, it? Honestly, I would... But what I will say is, my wife, though, um, I guess I could speak on her behalf because we are one union in Christ. And so, a couple of uh, churches ago, that uh, church we were at for you know about six years, um, my wife kept having a dream, you know, and she's a you know prophet of the Lord. And my wife kept having a dream, and she's a a seer prophet, and the Bible you know talks a lot about you know. God's fear prophets, so hers is not necessarily, you know, uh, prophesying, you know, right in front of the congregation or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That does happen from time to time, but, you know, God shows her things. And in this instance, and then we're talking about open visions, you know, while she's awake. But in this instance, she actually had a dream while she was asleep. Um But while she woke up out of that dream, she stretched her arm to heaven and she had an open vision. And the vision was, was to tell the pastor who the three people are in church that are, that are out of order and what spirit they're working with. Now she prayed and the thing is, is she was also disobedient because she was scared and she admits to that disobedience because she was saying to herself, okay, God said, so you want me to do what? <laughs> you know, he wanted her to go tell the pastor, you know, The three people that he had in leadership that are out of order and what, you know, spirit, like I said, that they're working with. And so she put it off for two weeks. You know, when she told me that she had put it off for two weeks, I said, babe, I said, I said, you've been waiting that long. I said, you're just now telling me. And she goes, babe, because I don't. How am I going to say something like that? And so when she did decide to. The church uh, service was over. The pastor was standing at the front of the church, you know, just like, you know, a lot of them uh, do when they want to uh, say hi and say hello and make themselves accessible to fellowship, you know, which is a good thing. And so he was up front just lingering around and people were shaking his hand, hugging, and they'd eventually leave. And she was next in line and I was just behind her supporting her. And uh, he called her forth. And as soon as she got three... Well, actually, she didn't even get that far. She said, you know, Pastor, I have a word from the Lord for you. As soon as she said that, he didn't know if it was good, bad, anything. He said, uh, Pastor, I have a word from the Lord for you. He pointed her to the left, which is was his assistant, and said, "Um, you know, if you can go ahead and get with her, and then, you know, she'll get with me. So basically, what he was doing was he was filtering the word before it even got to him, you know, um, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, uh, I, I just, I, he could have been through some things. I don't know to where maybe he, he's had some bad prophecies. I don't know. But what I do know is he wasn't open to even receive the word, which I know the Bible tells us to test every spirit, right. see whether it's from God or not. So that was his opportunity right then and there to listen to the word, at least hear it. And you know, then you can still make your decision. Okay, well, that's not from God. I don't receive really that. You can definitely do that. Anybody speaking to my life, I'm gonna listen to them. You know, um, and then if I say, okay, you know what, that's not exhortation. It's not lifting me up. It's not edifying me. It's building me up. You know, it's it's not uh bringing any conviction from the Holy Spirit. You know, um, all those things that the Bible talks about. You know, then I can decide. Okay, you know what, that's not from the God. You know, that that's a spirit of confusion right there. Or mm-hmm. you know, um, and so, but yeah, to answer your question, my wife. Her, I didn't have to confront anyone in leadership, and she didn't necessarily have to confront anyone, but she was pressed by God to deliver a word from him. And she immediately got pushed to the wayside. And so what she did, not to carry this story on too long, but what she did was she waited another week or two. And so now she's in four weeks disobedience. She waited another week or two, week or two, and then she decided to inbox the pastor on Facebook. And when he did that, he forwarded it to the first lady and they all blocked the wife on Facebook. Wow. He showed, showed me the message that she sent and it was, it was worded just like God would have said it. You know, we, when we know his character, we know his ways and how he is in the Bible. It wasn't no feelings put into it. It wasn't more. She didn't add to it. She didn't take away from it. She, de- she delivered what God said. and In the past olden days, you know, she delivered what thus said the Lord, you know, and um, it just wasn't received. And she was blocked on Facebook. And it's highly believed because the three leaders that were in position were, you know, friends, buddies of his. But the thing is, is she didn't want to deliver that message. You know, and so that's
0: how that went yeah that's it's that's a difficult thing to um obedience is not okay especially especially when things like that it's a very difficult thing to do because we we are human and we feel you know we could get hurt or we could hurt somebody else, but it's like if it's from God, it's like anything else, it's like any time you know the very first time I preached the very first time that I you know taught a uh, you know a a Bible lesson. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, once you, the metaphor of cutting your teeth on something, you can kind of expect, you know, a few flaws here and there. But then when we're seasoned in the Lord and we are called, we do it. And then the consequences, normally they are consequences because anybody who delivers a message that is, you know, negative, uh, especially in the Bible, the examples, examples that we're given, especially when they fall on deaf ears. Um, just like uh, um and even mocked uh Nebuchadnezzar when Daniel had told him that he was going to become like a beast and it would be within a year. And then he mocked and said, It's already a year and I'm I'm not crawling around all fours, and next thing you know, he starts crawling around on all fours and he's out in the field with the beasts. And so, you know, uh he was mocked, they were laughing at him, they were making you know, fun of the things that he was saying, um, but he still had to be among the, you know, his peers. There's just, you know, things that, you know, we could see in the Bible that God's word, even even amongst the believers, that, you know, maybe you, you have a false prophet. Like you said, maybe a pastor has gotten false prophecy and and or it's a word a word of the Lord and it's totally bogus and is not willing to hear the next one. And so if if it's uh, uh, you know criticism, like you said, you have to test the spirits. And I remember there was a video that I watched about John MacArthur, about how a man confronted him right during a recording of of a show or, or of a of a message. I'm sorry, not a show, but a message. And he went right up to the pulpit and he started pointing his finger at him and telling him, "Hey, you know you're, you know what this is what God told me to tell you." And John MacArthur let him speak. He let him say everything he had to say. And what did John MacArthur do? He test the spirits. He remembered everything he said. Of course, it was all recorded. And then he started using the word of God uh, as a way to test, you know, those, those words. You know, the things that he was saying. Is it biblical? Would God even say anything like that? you know, would God even, you know, even somehow, some way, try to insinuate something that's not in the Word of God? This is how we know what the Word of God says, and if it's not in harmony with what God's character is, and, you know, God's character is, is, is a lot of different things. One we know for sure is mercy and grace. The other one is judgment. The other one's, you know, of course, there's warnings. There's a lot of things that we know about God, and if those things aren't present, then of course we're going to know that there's something wrong with it. But if they're all right. present and, and there is, of course, cause God warns, he warned Nineveh, you know, through Jonah. And then because they repented, he showed mercy. These are fingerprints of God. Yeah. Um, he, he warned, uh, even when, um, when Ananias and Sapphira, Paul said, are you, you know, did you, did you sell this for this amount of money? And they're like, yeah. And they had an opportunity to come clean. But they didn't. And that was the mercy. You know, even when uh, God judged Adam and Eve, there was, he told them, don't do this. And then he had a a dialogue with them. What happened? And they started blaming each other. They could have come clean, but they didn't. And so he showed mercy in so many different ways. And so that's that's the fingerprint of God. And when you have somebody who is bringing the word of god and if a pastor like you said is not willing to hear can you imagine being a pastor and then just having a couple of bad prophecies that were bogus and then all of a sudden you get one and that's the one you ignore right. i don't think i would take that opportunity and say you know what i'm just not going to hear this anymore i'm just you know not going to do this no more and that could be the one that could be detrimental or it could be a blessing you know to you by by hearing the whole thing and and you know making a decision so no, i get it it is uh, there's so many different facets to um you know to being obedient to the word of god so i truly believe that a pastor is you know a, a male pastor is a man first before god god blesses him with that position because it is a way to show love to people and shepherd people into the ministry, whether by training them for other ministries or, uh, to do God's will. It is to find a pastor's job is to find spiritually, to find and hone a person's blessing through God to edify God, to glorify God and also the church. That's what yeah. it's for. If you start thinking about what you see now either on YouTube or any other uh, social media and what these guys are doing, they're exciting. They're motivational. They I mean and I'll, I'll I'll be the first one I watch some of these new preachers and these these younger ones that you know that come up and they're they're good, they're great. They got they got all the charisma, they got all the right words, they got the social constructs down and they got the relationships of that social construct down and the money and all they got all the answers for all that stuff, but is the Holy Spirit in it, and that's exactly. the big question, and so that's where I would say uh in in just this one you know don't mean to go on so long, but that's what I would say that what I would be looking for uh to um to raise up a pastor, if God allows me to raise up pastors, if I'm going to raise up a pastor, I'm gonna have to show them everything that the scripture has to say. If I give them my rendition of what as, as me being a pastor and then showing them this is what I do, that's what God has given me. God will give, you know, our particular life, your life, you've lived your life. And there's certain things that God has revealed to you through your life and your circumstances. The same with mine. And I, I truly believe that if uh, if our heart is in the place, uh, as God has given us a gift and has given us the office of that particular ministry we do it with obedience to scripture hands down yeah so uh so we're probably over the hour mark i don't know if um where we are on time but uh we could uh either do a part 2 and 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 maybe later uh after a couple episodes but uh do you have anything that you want to add or or expound on, uh, or anything you want to be able to
1: contribute. Uh, just in closing, you know, uh, right now in this year that, that we're in, and even in the years to come, you know, we obviously see, we obviously see that the world needs Jesus, not God. We gotta be specific, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Niski, Jehovah Shalom. We, we need God. We need Jesus. You know, there's so much going on in this world. There's a lot of different gods out there, and people are, you know, thanking God at awards, shows, and ceremonies, and there is a name that is above every That's and right. Every, bow and every concept and fair and excuse it. Amen. And everything that we see from, you know, wars to rumors of wars to people's uh, lifestyles, how they choose to live them, you know, to murderers. Everything you know, not just one particular topic. You know, prayer is needed, uh, fasting. We need people to stand in the gap. I believe it. It kind of starts with a lot of the pastors because not everybody is having church in their home. A lot of people go to the house of God to hear what they feel they need to bring back to their home. Mm, very good. You know, and if the pastors the shepherds aren't preaching the full gospel, those babes in Christ will never come to maturity. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. I know we should be reading on our own, and I know that uh, we should know the Word of God for ourselves, but if when we're in the pulpit, we're not saying... You know, make sure that you get this word deep in you. Make sure, you know, today I challenge you to go home and, and, and read the book of Matthew, read the book of John, you know, read Luke, you know, read read Genesis, you know, <laughs> read Leviticus, you know, read it, you know, um, that way, you know, hey, come back next Sunday and we got a special word for you and this is what it's going to be about. And it, they kind of get ready to hear that next word from the pastor. And if that next word from the pastor ain't about repentance,
0: <laughs> ain't about
1: you know, uh, he just you know uh yeah he's just storytelling and when they leave oh man that was a good word if that's all it is you know we're not helping those days in christ you know uh get the get, get the meat you yeah. know of the work you know get that 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 real food and so that's just all i wanted to end with okay you no know.
0: so in that's, closing
1: that's
0: a, uh uh yeah, Ephesians chapter four. Uh, this is what I, I, God has given me, and I'll stand corrected if, if, uh, if need be, if somebody wants to. But it says, uh, in, in verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. Now I thought about that. Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you could see what the purpose is, because it gives it away in 12. It's equipping people or not people. It's equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That means you're, you're, you're not just getting a title. You're, you're stepping into a calling, a blessing, and you're working that ministry that you're called to, because there's a difference when a person is blessed with a, with a, uh, the apostolic work or the prophet or the evangelist or the uh, the apostle or the pastor or teacher, there's a difference when a person goes to school for it and when a person is blessed by God because how it flows. I You can hear the difference when it flows through the Holy Spirit and when it flows okay. from your carnal mind and memory. Uh, yeah. So this is the equipping. So God equips, spiritually equips, what these blessings and and, and what these callings are to the saints, to the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ and to edify, to lift up the body of Christ. So that is the church. Okay. Now, the apostle, uh, the, the, the 12 disciples became the 12 apostles. They heard from Jesus specifically first. So they're the ones who are sent, given the word, and they go out into the world. So the apostolic work is going out to preach. And then the prophets come in to back up the apostles because the prophets were give, were the first giving the word and they wrote that down. That's why we have the, the prophets in the Old Testament. And so the prophets are backing up the apostles because the apostles are eyewitnesses. And then you have the evangelists who actually, who are drawing people in to hear the apostles and the prophets. And then the pastors once they establish a church is taking care of those baby christians which is the flock the sheep and then the teachers are backing up the pastors this is the church in its whole in the in the whole of the fivefold ministry that's exactly what we see in the first century church is is these positions backing each other up in harmony for the edifying and equipping of the saints and for edifying of the body of christ God gave me that and I just thought I'd share that. And, and the pastor is no more than the evangelist and the evangelist is no more than the pastor and vice versa. The apostle than the pastor, teacher or the pastor, they all work together in the body of Christ to, for the edification and the glory of God and the saving of souls. I truly believe that with 100% of my heart. Well, so I want to thank you for, uh, for being on this and, and looking forward to other, uh, episodes as well as I continue doing this, uh, I'll invite you back again. And then we can cover some other topics, uh, similar, um, on this because I think it's important. I really speak for people's healing and for people's understanding is that just because you maybe have left the church because of certain things that has happened in the church doesn't mean you have to stay out there. You can, you know, you can find there are good churches, there are good pastors that will definitely grow you spiritually to that place where we can be equipped saints to do the ministry of god all right just want to thank you quincy for coming on and and, and for it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to hear you know uh, what god has given you and in your experiences in the lord
1: most definitely pleasure as always thank you sir
0: okay um, yeah. all right you have a blessed day then uh, you too thank okay you. all right god bless